Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. Amen. Good morning. How are you today? Good to see you guys. My name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church, and we are in a series moving through the book of John titled More Than a Man. John originally wrote the, this fourth account of the gospel at the behest of the early church leaders. Evidently, there was a heresy going around that Jesus was just a mere man. He was a good teacher. He'd worked some miracles. He uh, did, uh, f- healed some people. You know, this was, but this was the extent of who Jesus was. He was not, uh, he's certainly not the Son of God, nor was he the source of eternal life, according to this heresy. And so these uh, early church leaders asked John, please, please write. Uh, I know we have three accounts of Jesus' life, but please write a fourth one, since you were so close to Jesus, in, to show specifically that Jesus was more than a man to combat this heresy that was going around at that time. And so John did. And in John's gospel account, there are five mega themes. And we've already talked about two so far. The first was that Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, Two weeks ago or so, I showed you that uh, John started out his account just right away showing that in the beginning, Jesus was with God, in fact, was God. In fact, God did not create anything except through Jesus. Why? Because as the second part of the Trinity, Jesus was that visible, that tangible expression of God in this physical, three-dimensional world. And so we we saw in that first week that Jesus was more than a man. He was the Son of God. Last week, we looked at the second mega-theme, namely that Jesus is the source of eternal life. And so we started walking through that. I sent you out a uh, rather long midweek devotion. How many of you received that this week? Fantastic. I apologize for it being a little bit longer. I tried to be as concise as I possibly could and yet be thorough enough to where you would understand. And so during the midweek devotion this week, I answered, can someone ever lose their salvation? And so if you didn't get that but would like to see that, I can get you a copy or just even send you an email on that. Um, Today we're looking at the third mega theme in the book of John, and that is that Jesus is the sender of the Holy Spirit. And as I began studying this, uh, this mega theme, uh, which is actually quite prevalent, I'll show you several scriptures today, uh, but there are like almost three chapters where this is a pretty prominent theme, John chapters 14, 15, and 16, and so we'll get there eventually today. Um, But as I started studying this, I started thinking about coaches, okay? And you'll hear me use a coaching analogy several times today because the Holy Spirit, in effect, is, is like our life coach. He coaches us in real time in order to help us live like Jesus would live. And so I thought back um, to the coaches that I had growing up. Many of you know I enjoy sports. Uh, I grew up playing basketball and tennis primarily. Um, but my favorite coach that I had growing up was Mr. Grossa. He was my, my tennis coach, and he also happened to be one of my, my neighbors. He was like two doors down. And so in the summer, I would go over to Mr. Grossa's house, who's about this tall, an Italian man, thick accent, but very kind. And I would ask him, I would say, may I please have the tennis ke- uh, shed key? And I would, he would give it to me, and I would ride my bike a couple miles to the high school or drive over there in the summer, and then I would get the ball machine out, and I would just be out there practicing. And so Mr. Grossa, he really encouraged me, and he helped me. Um, he 
recruited me when I got to high school, recruited me onto his team. Uh, and during my senior year, I developed enough to where I was playing two singles, and my team was actually able to win the conference championship this year, that year. And so it was a pretty, pretty good time. I really appreciated Mr. Grossa. You know, not only did Mr. Grossa recruit me to the team, but he taught me how to win at tennis, right? He taught me how to win. And so this, his encouragement, his instruction is what keeps me playing tennis to this day. If you ever drive by Reva Ridge in the evening, Reva Ridge Park, that is, just over there, you'll probably see me out hitting with my ball machine that my wife got me for my birthday. I'd been wanting one of those for like 10 years, and she saved and saved and got me one. So I've been getting into tennis again lately. Well, what about you? Who was the best coach that you ever had? Maybe it wasn't necessarily a, a sports coach. Maybe it was some sort of business coach or counselor or life coach. But coaches are special people because they help us uh, not only get on a team, not only do they select us to get on a team, but then they teach us how to win at that particular activity. So I want you to be thinking about who the best coach you ever had was because about halfway through, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand, stretch, and share a few stories about that. But today, as we consider uh, how Jesus is the center of the Holy Spirit, we, have, we will learn that the Holy Spirit is our coach. He not only selects us and helps us become a part of God's team, part of God's special people, but once we are on his team, once we're on God's team, he teaches us how to live life like Jesus would. And so you'll hear me refer to this analogy over and over. Um, we're going to look at several verses uh, this morning, but let's start with our key verse. Would you turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 26. John chapter 15, verse 26. And I know a lot of people read uh, the Bible on their phone or their iPad these days, but personally, I really like to have a hard copy of the scriptures. If you are here and you do not have a hard copy of the scriptures, uh, just let me know or help yourself. There's a stack of very nice Bibles right over there on that black table. Take one, consider it a gift from Cornerstone Church that you have a, a copy, a hard copy of the scriptures to study from. But no matter what you're reading from today, will you stand and read one verse with me today? Just out of respect for the word, let's stand and read John chapter 15, verse 26. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus is speaking here. He says, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Father, we just prayed this morning that you would uh, just open our ears, open our hearts, let us receive what you have to say about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to come back to this key verse in just a little bit. But <clears throat> what we learn right away, if you look at this, he says, I, speaking of Jesus, so Jesus will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And so we see right away that Jesus is more than a man. He is the sender of the Holy Spirit. And this was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 and the believers were, were praying in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descended upon them and there was this tongues of fire upon them and they began speaking in unknown languages and many people were saved that day. Well, due to its chronological place in the Bible, one might think that, well, the Holy Spirit's involvement in people's lives is a relatively new thing when in fact that is not true. If you look at Genesis 1-2, keep your finger there and flip back to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. 
verses 1 and 2, you'll see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And so within the first two verses, we see not only God the Father, but there's also implied there God the Son, because John told us in John chapter 1 that he cre- God the Father created everything through Jesus Christ. And so we see the Son there as well. And then in verse 2, we see a reference immediately to the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God's involvement in creation and in humanity is not a new thing. He's been active in creation from the very beginning. This is nothing new, even though we don't read in the New Testament until John chapter 15 about his coming. Okay, and then we see his coming in Acts chapter 2. So what does this mean for you? Well, as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know what? I want people, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit was active then and he's active now. He's not only active in creation, but he's active in your life as well. You know, when you look at Genesis chapter 1, you see that right away he's uh, hovering over the earth. Now, this word translated as hover is only used three times in all of Scripture. And it's a, a word picture. It refers to like a, an eagle, a mother eagle hovering over and brooding over her baby, baby birds. It's a, it's, there's this idea of tender love associated with this word that we translate as hover. And so you have to understand that when the, the Moses was writing in Genesis 1-2 that the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, he was there with this, this sense of love, this cherished, and, and almost as if he's just waiting for God the Father, for God the Son to start the creative work, and then he would start tending and start caring for the earth at that point. And even now the Holy Spirit hovers over the earth. I believe that he is there hovering and waiting for anybody to express faith in Jesus. And as soon as they do, he seals them and makes them one of God's special people, as I'll show you here in a a few minutes. And so for you, you may look at your life and you may say, Pastor Mike, My life is a lot like that earth right now. It is formless and it is empty. And I can tell you right now, all of us, before we express faith in Jesus, we have that that life. We have this this emptiness about us. Some people refer to it as a a God-shaped hole, right? And we go searching for all sorts of things to to activate that, that, that part of our life that only the Holy Spirit can. And so as soon as we express faith in Christ, God begins a creative and a redemptive work in us and the Holy Spirit is there to empower us and to make it all possible. And so today, if you're feeling discouraged about where you're at, maybe before, maybe you don't know Christ or maybe you are walking with God and yet you feel like, oh man, what is going on? You must know first and foremost that the Holy Spirit is there cherishing and caring for you in the same way he did over the earth at the very beginning. And you say amen. Amen. Well, all throughout the whole Old Testament, we read of the Holy Spirit's involvements in people's life. And even as we transition into the New Testament, we see him referenced early on. We see that in, even in the life and ministry of John the Baptist, that the scriptures record that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. And then God spoke to John the Baptist and said, you will know who the Messiah is because you will see the Holy Spirit descend on them and stay on them. And later, John, 
he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus and remain on him. And he testified that God had given Jesus the Holy Spirit without limit. And so now Jesus is saying in John chapter 15, he's saying that he's going to send the Holy Spirit to those who believe in him, those that believe that he is more than a man. And so we have to ask this question, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life? And there's two things that we find in Scripture. Let's look at the first one. The first one is that the Holy Spirit brings our spirit to life. The Holy Spirit brings our spirit to life. He makes us born again, you say. Okay, now in our sports analogy, when we express an interest in a sport and the coach chooses us and he makes us a part of his team, right? He makes us a part of his team. What is the very first thing he gives to us? He gives us a jersey, right? He gives us a uniform, something that signifies that we are set apart and part of this team. Okay, I'm going to refer to this uh, a little bit later, but just imagine, imagine Greg Popovich, the NBA's winningest coach and also the coach of the U.S. Olympic team, coming in here and selecting one of us, especially one of us who really knows nothing about basketball, but all of a sudden says, you know what? I believe that basketball is the best sport. The best sport ever, in fact. And Greg says, I like you. You're on my team. And he makes you a part of the San Antonio Spurs. He makes you a part of the U.S. Olympic basketball team. And he gives you the jerseys. And you're standing there and you're like, hey, Greg, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. But I don't know anything about basketball, right? And so we'll see in the second point that the Holy Spirit not only gives us that jersey and makes us a part of God's special team, he seals us as one of God's redeemed, but he also coaches us and teaches us how to move forward. And so we'll look at these these two. So let's take a look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Because the first thing the Holy Spirit does is he makes us born again. He renews that part of our, our spirit that connects with God. Look at John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And here, Jesus is talking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a, is a seeker. He's a, a religious leader, and he's curious about who Jesus is. And is he, in fact, more than a man? And so he comes, and he's asking questions. And Jesus says, in verse 3, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And so by being born of water, Jesus is referring to this natural birth. Every person in existence experiences that type of birth. They're born of of water. But that's, that's what gives them their physical life. But Jesus is saying if you want to experience spiritual life, you have to be born of the Spirit. Look at what he says in verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Did you know that every eight seconds in the United States, someone is experiencing that physical birth? There is a new person being born about every eight seconds in the United States. That's about 10,000 people a day and over 4 million people a year. Okay? Humans are really good at being born of water. <laughs> They're really good at reproducing after their own kind right? But we have nothing in ourselves 
that can give us spiritual birth. There's nothing within us, nothing that we can find elsewhere that can give us spiritual birth. I was just watching Netflix last night. I, I, I like facts and just different shows. So I was watching a show called Explained, and they were talking about K-pop. Anybody know what K-pop is? I didn't really know until last night. Okay, K-pop is Korean pop. Okay, it's like pop music, but it's like overdone, right? And it's coming here. In fact, if you check the Billboard Top 50, the Billboard Top 50 bands, like I bet a third of them, 15 to 20 of them are K-pop. In fact, the number one band is called, uh, oh man, I'm gonna get this totally wrong. It's like BTW or BTS or something awful name, right? But they have been number one on the Billboard 50 for like two and a half years. Two and a half years. So K-pop is evidently a big deal. And I'm watching these adoring young fans and these girls are saying, K-pop is life. K-pop is life, right? Much like the Beatles when, when the Beatles arrived, right? That, oh, and, and so people are looking. They're looking to others for something that only God can give. There's something within each and every one of us that just longs to, there's, it's an emptiness. We can't describe it, and especially when we're not saved. We don't know what it is, and so we go look. We look in K-pop. We look in other things. We, we pursue positions and pleasures and, and, and all these sorts of possessions, thinking if we just have more, if I just attain to that particular level, of income or social status, then this emptiness will go away. And it's not. It's never going to go away until we express faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes within us and he brings that part of our existence that connects to the Father back to life. The Holy Spirit brings that part of our existence that connects to the Father. He renews it when we express faith in Christ. And so we could have nothing. We could be in a very difficult place and be the lowest on the social uh, status uh, totem pole, right? We could know nothing about K-pop and yet feel totally fulfilled inside. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All because we have that renewed connection. We have been born again. We've entered in to that new spiritual life because of the Holy Spirit's presence within us. And so what does this mean for you? Well, spirituality is directly related to the quality of our relationships. It is directly related to the quality of our relationships. And the reason I say that, the reason I say that it's tangible, that it's everyday, that it's not mystical, is that when we read of what Jesus says are the greatest commandments, what does he say? He says to love God and he says to love others. Love God, love others. These are the greatest commandments, right? There's nothing mystical about loving God and interacting with him in the right way. There's nothing mystical about loving other people, being patient with one another. And so Jesus tied in those verses our spirituality to the quality of our relationships. And he says here, he says, look at, look back at verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And so if you're trying with everything you have to make your relationships, your most important relationships better, you're going to come to a very frustrating place. Okay, Because in your own power, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to have a good relationship with your spouse on your own or with your children or with your parents, grandparents, grandchildren, or with your employer, employees, or with your friends. Apart 
from the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. If you truly want to see your most important relationships become more productive and more enjoyable, then invite the Holy Spirit into them. Invite God's presence into them because when you do, they can't help but come to life. They can't help but experience the type of life that Jesus is talking about. So invite, invite him in and he will transform them. How many of you can testify to that? Inviting the Holy Spirit in. Absolutely, me as well. Well, we're going to take a three-minute stand and stretch Stand, stretch, and share break. And I told you I wanted you to share with someone who the best coach you have ever had was. The very best sports coach, life coach, mentor, teacher, someone along that lines, okay? Stand up on your feet. Stretch out for a second. Find someone in this room to share. When you hear, see the lights dim and the music fade, we'll come on back to our seats and wrap up. Oh, about 10 seconds or so to wrap up your conversations and... Head back to your seats. So what have you learned so far today? You've learned that the Holy Spirit was active then. He's active now that he's hovering over your life. He's observing you. He's, he sees you. He's cherishing you. He's caring for you. He's ready right there to nurture the creative work that God is doing in your life. I'll bring back, come back to that more in just a few moments. You've also learned that the very first thing that the Holy Spirit does to us when we uh, are for us when we re uh, receive Christ as the, our Lord and Savior, when we express faith in him, that he's more than a man, that he is the Son of God and the source of eternal life, the Holy Spirit is there to uh, renew our connection with God. We are born again. That emptiness in our, in our uh, existence is filled. It's kind of like a coach that, hey, welcome to the team. Here's your jersey. He, he sets us apart. He seals us is what the Bible says. Um, Paul writes about the Holy Spirit sealing us for the day of redemption. And so uh, what, is, what else does he do for you? Because as I mentioned, I, I mentioned that like Greg Popovich picking one of us, and you're like, great, Greg, this, I'm wonder this is wonderful. I love being a part of the Spurs, being a part of the U.S. Olympic basketball team, but, but I don't know anything about basketball. And he's like, hey, don't worry, I will teach you. I will help you, and I will coach you along the way. And what makes Greg such a great coach is not only is he a great teacher, but when, you get to, when his players get discouraged, he's there to encourage them. And so he takes care of both their head and their heart. And so we'll mention, talk about that in just a, a few minutes. So the second thing the Holy Spirit does for us is that he enables us to live as Christ would live. He's like a sports coach that teaches us to win, but not, in this case, it's not basketball. He teaches us to win at life. Well, speaking of winning, why did the scarecrow win an award? Oh, well, he was outstanding in his field, of course. <laughs> I had to share that. I found that. I had to share that. It's kind of, anyways. Well, in John chapters 14 through 16, Jesus elaborates on this aspect of the Holy Spirit's role. In these chapters, we learn, first of all, that the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He, the Holy Spirit lives with us and in us. He teaches us. He reminds us of Jesus' words. He convinces us of sin. He shows us God's righteousness, announces God's judgment in, uh, on evil, guides us into all truth, gives us insight into the future, and lastly, he, that he brings glory to Jesus. Now, our key verse, if you have your finger there, look at that again, John 15, 26. In John 1526, Jesus summarizes all these things into two categories by saying that the Holy Spirit is our advocate 
and that he is the spirit of truth. So as our advocate, the Holy Spirit helps and encourages and strengthens us, but as a spirit of truth, or as the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' words and gives us a greater understanding of his teaching, okay? Someone once said that people with high levels of mastery cannot afford to choose between reason and intuition or head and heart any more than they could choose to walk on one leg or see with one eye. And I think a lot of people, when they come to faith in Christ, when they join God's team and become one of his special people and they put that jersey on, they, they feel as though they need to divorce the head from the heart or the heart from the head, however you want to look at it. They feel like, you know what, uh, it, is not, it doesn't matter if I don't understand or can't reason or can't get through Jesus' teachings. It's, as long as I feel like I'm saved, as long as I feel close to God, then that's, that's all I need. Other people say, well, if I don't feel anything, that's okay so long as I understand. Understanding is what is really important. And so there's this natural tendency to divorce the head from the heart. When in fact, Jesus is saying in John 15, 26, that the Holy Spirit sees both as being important, both the head and the heart. He's our advocate. He's there when we get discouraged. He's there when we feel down, when we don't feel close to, to the Lord. He's there to encourage us and help us and strengthen us. And then when we don't understand, he's also there to remind us of Jesus' words and to teach us and to help us build that understanding and that reasoning so that we uh, know what it is we're supposed to do. And so both head and heart are equally important. Both are critical for us to live as Jesus would. And so this is how the Holy Spirit helps us become more than natural men and women. He enables us to live supernaturally. Now, there's a lot of people, when you talk about living supernaturally, they, they think of it like this. They think of you like you're at the HOA pool. Uh, you're at the HOA pool, and the, the lifeguards are picking up for the day, and there's a, there's a pool noodle out in the middle of the pool, like 25 feet from the edge. And the lifeguard's about ready to jump in and go get it. And you're like, no, I got it. And you step out onto the water, and you walk across the pool surface. And you grab that noodle and you walk right back. And say, Here you go. I'm living supernaturally. Now that would be really cool, wouldn't it? You could walk across the pool, grab the noodle, and come back. But my friends, that is not living supernaturally. Okay, that would be an awesome thing to see. But supernatural living is much simpler than that, in my personal opinion. Because naturally, we relate to God and others in very sinful and selfish ways. And so anytime we don't do that, anytime we overcome our sinful and selfish tendencies and relate to somebody in a God-pleasing, mutually beneficial way, now we are living supernaturally. And so when you're patient with your kids, when you want to be impatient, well, then you're living supernaturally. When you turn away from something that you would, ra you would really like to look at and watch, and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I know that that's not pleasing to God. That's living supernaturally. And there's a dozen examples like that. When you exercise self-control, and you put that second piece of cake down, and you put that donut back in the box, and you're like, oh, God. I need that. That's living supernaturally. Okay, I'm being a little facetious on the last one, but I think you get what I'm saying. And so what, is this, what does this mean for you? What does this mean for you? Well, I think that many people are unaware of just how many ways the Holy Spirit helps you every single day. And so I would encourage you 
to develop a greater appreciation for his work in your life and for just how much he truly influences you. I think oftentimes we forget what we were like before we came to know Christ or what we would be like without his presence in our life, the things that we would think, feel, do. And so today I'm encouraging you to develop a greater appreciation for the Holy Spirit's work, to become more conscious of how you refer and respond to him. Some people ignorantly refer to the Holy Spirit as it. I think that that is extremely disrespectful. Some people don't realize just how much he is helping them. And so develop that greater appreciation uh, for his work in your life. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to bring our spirits back to life. When we express faith in, in, in Jesus, that he is more than a man, the Holy Spirit is right there to seal us, like a coach giving a, a player a jersey, right? And then we're standing there, I don't know how to live like Christ would live. What should I do? Well, the Holy Spirit is there to teach us and encourage us, both head and heart. Now, as we close, I'd like to share one last thing with you about the Holy Spirit, especially because it shows that Jesus, as the center of the Holy Spirit, was more than a man. Uh, turn with me to G uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Are you following me today? Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Now that word breathed, that word breathed refers to spirit. And so we see that the breath of God was the catalyst that brought life to Adam's otherwise inanimate body. I just picture this for a moment. Adam's body, it's formed, but he's laying there. He's, he's not alive yet until God breathes into him. Okay, It gives him his spirit and that animates his body. Now we're told here in general terms that God formed the man's body and that God breathed life into the man's body. However, John chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 tell us that God created everything through Jesus and nothing was created except through Jesus. In fact, John says that Jesus gave life to everything that was created. Follow me here. This would include Adam. Remember who Jesus is. He's the visible, tangible expression of God in this three-dimensional world. And so who formed Adam? Who literally breathed life into Adam? Personally, I believe that it was the Son of God, that it was Jesus Christ, and he's there giving life to Adam's body. So how does this relate to the Holy Spirit? Well, if you go to John 20, 22, flip there with me if you're fast. John 20, 22. That word translated as breathe in Genesis 2-7 is used in another place, and it's John 20, 22. Look what, what John records. He says, then he breathed on him. Then Jesus breathed on them, speaking of the disciples, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That same word is used again right there in 2022. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so in the first case, Jesus is giving literal physical life to humanity. And in the second case, he's breathing on them and giving them spiritual life. Both instances, he's giving life to humanity. And so as modern day believers, we continue to benefit from both. 
the breath or the spirit of God that animates our physical bodies also animates our spirits as well. I was, when I was studying this out, I found that absolutely amazing. And so I think in light of all that God has done for us, in light of the fact that his spirit not only gives us the breath that we have, but also animates our spiritual life as well, in light of all that, how can we not praise him? How can we not give him back our lives? I think this is why Paul says, in light of all that God has given to you, offer yourselves as, as sacrifices, living sacrifices to God, as an act of worship. And so this week, I, I want to leave you with that challenge to think about not only the physical breath that God has given you, but that that spiritual life that he has brought to you and in all the ways that the Holy Spirit helps you and influences you throughout uh, each day. So would you stand with me this morning as we pray? And just do something with me. Do something with me. If you're comfortable with this, if you're a believer, especially do this with me. Just lift up your hands and in your own way, just begin to use the breath that God has given you and just begin to express thanks. Thanks for, for saving you. Thanks for sealing you. Thanks for making you part of God's special people. Thanks for teaching you how to live life like Christ would. For renewing that connection that you have with the Father. For renewing that connection that you have with those around you, with your spouse or your children or your parents. Just begin to thank Him for all the many ways that He has breathed new life into you and for the very breath that you have in your lungs today. Father, we just thank you for all of those things. God, and I pray over every person here, Lord, especially uh, the believers, those who are following you, those who are sealed by the Holy Spirit and a part of your team, I pray that this week we would become conscious of all the many ways that you work in our lives and that we would invite you in, invite you to further, to teach us, to remind us of, those, those, uh, of Jesus' words and, and show us how we can become more like him. I pray for those who are discouraged, those who look at their lives as perhaps being formless or empty, that you would come to them, Lord, and speak to them and let them know that you are right there, Lord, ready to work, ready to foster and cultivate uh, the work that uh, your word is doing in their life. So I thank you for each person and pray a special blessing over them today as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are loved. Have a tremendous week this week. See you next week. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that his truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.